are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. I love Amy Chamberlain's story. To imagine that she's sitting in Dallas one day with her husband at a marriage conference, and her heart is quickened by the fact that she knows there's so many people in her community who would benefit from that conference, but they probably weren't going to drive to Dallas. And then she believes that God began to speak to her and say, Amy, you could do that here. And she said, yes. Is it amazing to you that God speaks to us? I can't tell you how many people over these last nine years that I've been a part of this church have said to me, Pastor Rick, I believe that God spoke to me and told me that I should go to that small African country that we are supporting called Iswatini. And some people have gone for two weeks and some people have gone every year for two weeks. And some people have gone and spent a year. One couple went and spent two years. We have a couple now who is spending their fourth year. They'll travel back there as soon as travel is allowed for them, Doug and Margaret Eaton. Because they can take you to a place where they said, we believe in that moment God spoke to us and asked us to do this. Does it amaze you that God speaks to us? So I think about so many other people. There's a guy who attends our church. He might have greeted you this morning when you walked in. His name is Robert Stonebreaker. Got to be the best last name ever invented in the history of the world. Robert had a serious drug problem. It was so serious that he lived among the homeless downtown Oklahoma City for years. But one day Jesus set Robert free from his drug addiction. Robert now has a family. He has a home. But for many years he lived as a homeless man among the homeless. And at one point in his life Robert began to believe that God was speaking to him. Calling him to go back and serve the very people that he once lived among. And so today, Robert directs the day shelter at the Homeless Alliance. I could, I could go on and on with hundreds of stories, so I will. I'll tell you some more stories. There's a lady whose name is Kim, who is a part of our church. And one Sunday morning, she was sitting here just like you are. Had no idea what was going to happen to her. But we're in a series called Say Yes. And in that morning, she believed that God was asking her as a nurse to start a free health clinic in the Two Lakes community just two miles north of us. And that morning she said, yes, I'll do it, God. If that's what you want me to do, I will do it. And, and Kim now, along with many other volunteers in the medical field who said yes also have joined her. And yesterday they spent their entire day, as they do every Saturday, serving the people in that community and meeting their physical needs in that free health clinic. We got a group of guys in our church who hang out at one of their garages, and so they call themselves the garage guys. But one day, they were here at the church, and they had a Zoom call with a pastor in New Mexico. And during that phone call, they began to believe that God was speaking to them and wanted them to support and reach out and encourage that pastor. And so that's what they are doing today with their lives. I I don't know if you know this, but there's a guy named Paul who's a part of our church who one day was sitting on a roof on the Native American reservation, re-roofing a building, and he said, in that moment, God spoke to me and asked me to give my life to serving these people. And so what Paul has done since then has given his life to serving those people. You might be aware that like every other month in a board meeting that we have, either a high school student or a university student or somebody who is already in their vocation in life 
comes to our church board and they share the same story. I believe that God is calling me to give the rest of my life to ministry. And they begin the process of acquiring a local minister's license in order to go into the ministry. It happens at least every other month here. Nine years ago, Annette and I, my wife, moved from Cincinnati to here because we believed that God spoke to us and asked us to move here. Now, I understand if there's somebody going, hey, time out just a minute, wait, wait, just, can you just hold on for one minute up there? Because you're making a pretty big statement here. You're, you're saying, okay, I just want to make sure, Rick, that you know what you're saying, because what you're actually saying today is that the God of creation, the God who made everything, the God who has world hunger and human trafficking and wars and disasters to concern himself with. You are saying that the God of creation speaks to ordinary people like you and me, and he unfolds for us his desires and his plans for our lives. So, Pastor Rick, if, if that's what you're saying, I just want to make sure, is that what you believe? And so here I'm going to stand and say to you, that's what I believe with everything in me. God speaks to us. And when God speaks to us, they become defining moments in our lives. Amy Chamberlain would tell you that sitting in that marriage conference that day was a defining moment in her life. Her life has changed as a result of that. Doug and Margaret Eaton and many people who have traveled to Africa to support that small country would tell you that when God called them, it was a defining moment in their life. Robert Stonebreaker would tell you that when God spoke to him and led him back to serve the people that he had lived among as a homeless man, it was a defining moment in his life. It changed the trajectory, trajectory of his life and it set the course that he would follow from that moment on. Kim Bryan would tell you Sitting here that day, no idea that her life was going to change that day, but it was a defining moment. Her life changed that day. The garage guys, students who are called to ministry, Annette and I, I'm just telling you, when God speaks to us, they become defining moments. So I'm kind of a one-point Preacher, I really only say one thing. Typically, it just takes me a while to say it. And, and I want today that if you find yourself in a conversation with somebody that says, so did you go to church today? And you say, yeah, we went. Oh, yeah, what, what did Rick talk about that you would be able to say it, you know? I, I don't want it to be like the one lady who was walking home from church and her neighbor did not go to church and so as she's past her neighbor's house who is outside, says, oh, you missed it today. That preacher really preached. And she said, really, what did the preacher preach about? And she said, come to think of it, I don't think he ever did say what it was he was preaching about. So I don't want that to be your story. So I'm going to make it as simple as I can make it, okay? Here's what we're going to say today. You ready? Defining moments is when you experience something that changes the trajectory of your life and sets the course that you're going to follow from that moment on. You got up that morning, it was an ordinary morning, but something extraordinary happened. And as you look back on that moment of your life, 
you say, you know what? I experienced something that changed the trajectory of my life and it set the course that I would follow from that moment on. Now, I think we always come and we want to know more about God. Can you talk to me about God? I'm interested to know more about God. And so here's what I want to say to you about God. It's really simple. Say it with me. God speaks. Would you say it with me again? God speaks. Did you know that when God speaks, He can never be any more God than He is in that moment? Because central to who He is is that He speaks. God speaks. He doesn't turn a cold shoulder to us. We aren't wandering through life wondering what His thoughts are. He makes them known to us. He speaks. God talks to people like us. Do you know how far you have to read in the Bible until you finally find somewhere that God actually says something? If you started in Genesis chapter 1, do you know how far you would have to read until you finally heard God say something? Three verses. And God said, let there be light. And then God speaks to Noah, and then God speaks to Abraham, and then God speaks to Jacob, and then God speaks to Moses, and on and on and on. The Hebrew writer said God has spoken through the prophets, and He has spoken in various ways. You might ask, what is the various ways? I think a burning bush would qualify as a various way. What do you think? God has spoken through His Son, Jesus God speaks through His Word. God speaks through circumstances. God speaks through situations. I can't tell you how many times in my life there was this inner sense. God spoke. For me, it's never been anything like an audible voice. But many times I've just said, wow, God is talking to me. God's speaking to me. And I never, you know, is it really God? No, it's, it's God. God speaks. And when God speaks, those moments become defining moments in our lives. So one day, a young man, his name was Saul, he was a Jew. This is 2,000 years ago, leaves Jerusalem with some companions, and they make their journey toward Damascus. It's over 200 miles by foot, and so this is a several-day journey. And when they get near Damascus, he experiences a defining moment. There's a bright flash from heaven. He falls to the ground, and I love this. He hears a voice. Do you know why he heard a voice? Because God speaks. And let me tell you something. Out of that experience, it would affect everything he would do from that point on in his life. It changed the trajectory of his life, and it set a course he would follow from that moment on. So if you want to grab a Bible and turn to the book of Acts chapter 9, I want to read to you starting with verse 1. Okay, Acts chapter 9 verse 1. Let me give you a little context before I read. Jesus comes onto the scene 
and regardless of everything that he did and everything that he said, there were people who were convinced that he was an imposter. He's a wannabe king. He's a fake. He's a pretender. They had so many that came before him who claimed to be the Messiah because they were imposters and fakes and wannabe kings. And so there were many Jews who believed that he would fall by the wayside like the others. And finally they killed him and said, okay, that'll take care of it and his followers will all go away. That does it with the Jesus thing. The Jesus thing is now behind us. But the reason the Jesus thing wasn't behind them was because of the resurrection. I told you last week it was the most significant divining moment in the history of the world. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, his followers did not go away and his movement did not end. In fact, I love to say this, and I said on every occasion that I can, he has become the most influential person who has ever lived in the history of the world, and that's because of the resurrection. So, they believed that if they now killed his remaining followers, they were actually doing a service to God. And so there was a young man named Stephen, and they stoned him to death. We have not heard of Saul until this point, and there's simply a line that says, and the witnesses laid their clothes at Saul's feet. When Saul later talks about it himself, he said, I stood there while they killed him, guarding their clothes, giving my approval for what they were doing. He later says, I became so obsessed to get rid of all of the Christians, all of the Christ followers, that I found myself going to foreign cities, trying to weed them out. So I could persecute them, and many of them, he said, we persecuted to death. People lived in fear of this man named Saul. Followers of Jesus did. And so I think that helps you a little bit. So let me take you now to the verse 1. So meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Okay? People are afraid of this guy. He went to the high priest and asked him for the letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way. Now, the way is a term that Christians gave themselves. When other people called them Christians, it was kind of a, a slang term. It was, a, uh, it, it, it was an insult. The, the, the idea of the way, people saying, I belong to the way, they were saying, I belong to Jesus. I'm a Jesus follower, Okay. Whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground. And he heard a voice say to him, you know why he heard a voice? Because God speaks. Saul, Saul, it's called a double vocative. It's not uncommon when people would hear from God in the Old Testament. Why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anybody. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see anything. And so they led him by the hand into Damascus. And for three days, he was blind and he did not eat or drink anything. When we see fasting in the Bible, not eating and drinking, it's usually for two reasons, one of two reasons, repentance or seeking God. And I think both apply here for Saul. So I want to dig in with you to this story and learn as much as we can. You ready? 
Not long ago, I was reading a story of a man who said, from the time that I was able to think, I never believed in God. Never did. He said, all of my life, I would hear people talk about God, and I never bought into any of it. He said, it just didn't seem like a possibility to me. I just didn't believe. Um, I I guess you would say I was an atheist. I would hear people talk about God, and I kind of just, you know, kept quiet, but I did not believe. Became an adult, met a young woman. We were married. We had kids. One day we moved into a new neighborhood. And our next-door neighbor was an elderly lady. We loved her. She would bring baked goods over. She loved our kids. We loved her. I would help her with anything that I could help her with. But she realized she was going to have to move to retirement communities. She couldn't live alone any longer. And one day I was over helping her with some things. I finished and she said to me, I'm going to miss you. And he said, we're going to miss you. She said, do you have to go now? And he said, no, I have time. She said, would you sit down in my living room? And he did. And he said, she shuffles over to a bookcase and takes a book and opens it and stands before me. (laughs) It was a songbook. I had no idea. And this little senior adult lady stood in front of me and she sung to me a song from her hymnal about God's incredible love. He said, I was moved. And for the first time in my life, I believed in God. Didn't really know what to do with it, but several months later, my wife and I were walking through a park Went on a walk one day, just going for a walk. And as we're walking along, we kind of run into some people, another couple. They were really friendly. Somehow we began to chat with each other, which turned into a long conversation sitting on some park benches. And that conversation turned into a conversation about Jesus. They wanted to talk to us about Jesus. We liked them. We liked the conversation. But we didn't really know what to do with it after that. We just kind of got up when it was over and we left and we were... Grateful we had the conversation, but it was significant in our lives. A couple of months after that, we went to see some friends. They were friends that you could drop in on. We were close. They dropped in on us. We dropped in on them. It didn't matter. You didn't have to call before you went. And so we dropped in, and they said, oh, we would love to visit with you, but we were leaving. And then they began to tell us that they were going to church We didn't know they had ever gone to a church. In fact, they had just started a church, and they said, we love this church that we found. We began attending it. We think you would love it too. You should go with us sometime. Finally, they said, you should just go with us now. And so he said, we went with them that day to their church. And we went back, and I think we loved it as much as they did. And we made friends there. And a few months later, one night, we were at a couple's house in that church that we had made friends with, with our friends and them and another couple. There were eight of us. And before we ate a meal together, the man who had invited us all to his home looked at me and said, would you like to pray a prayer and offer thanks to God for the food we're about to eat? He said, I had never prayed in my life. 
I bowed my head. But when I did, and I uttered out the word God, it all came rushing over me, and I became so emotional, I couldn't do anything. And everybody else became emotional. And he tells of how he came to know Jesus, and he had a personal relationship with God. When he concludes his testimony, his story about himself, he finally says these words at the end. He says, when I look back on my life, I cannot say that I found God. He said, in fact, I never even looked for God. It wasn't on my agenda at all to find God. I would have to say that God came to me over and over and over again. God found me. God kept coming to where I was. God kept coming to me. I would never say that I found God because I didn't. God came to me. When I say to you this morning the words God speaks, I think it's really important. And there's a reason I want to linger here. And that is because sometimes I think we get confused in that conversation. And when we think about our own story, I think we sometimes want to say, I spoke. And we might say it something like this. There was an emptiness in me. There was something missing in my life. There was something that I didn't have. And I began to call out to God. But I don't think that's how it happens at all. I think this is how it happens. I think God speaks to us first. It was certainly the story that I would give you about my own life. And it's certainly the story of Saul. Because it was Jesus who initiated the encounter on that road to Damascus. Jesus spoke to Saul first, right? Which led into a transformation of his life. Which led into this conversion. This sudden turnaround. This sudden complete change of direction. You understand that Saul didn't wake up that morning saying to himself, I want to become a Christian. He woke up that morning saying, I want to find me some Christians. And I want to throw them in prison. And if things work out, we might get to take the life of a few of them. But he met Jesus. And he would never be the same again. I love the words of N.T. Wright when he talks about Saul's experience. He says, this experience showed him that the God he had been right to serve, right to study, right to seek in prayer, because he was a good Jew... The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob had done what he had always said he would. The God who had always promised to come and rescue his people had done so in person, in the person of Jesus. God speaks, and God speaks first. So I uh, had a phone call couple of months ago with a young man in his, uh, I'm guessing mid-30s. He's got a wife. He's got kids. Raised in church. Christian. And in the phone call, he began to talk to me. And I said, you know, maybe we should go to lunch. And so we did. We met at Kadoba. Anybody? You haven't amen yet, but you want to say amen to Kadoba? Would you, you, you into that? Yeah. Me too. I like it. Um, 
So we met there, and, and, and here's what he shared with me. He shared with me that he's convinced of something, okay? You ready for this? He's convinced that God has spoken to him. Okay? And God has asked him to talk to everybody that he can about Jesus. Right? So I'm not, I'm not talking about once in a while then he has a... No, I'm talking about every day, many times a day. He talks to people about Jesus. Everybody that he talks to, he talks about Jesus. It doesn't matter if they have a home or if they're homeless. It doesn't matter if they are rich or if they are penniless. It doesn't matter if he knows them or he has never known them. It doesn't matter where he runs into them or meets them. He just senses this urging that God is saying, remember what I asked you to do. Would you talk to him about Jesus? Would you talk to her about Jesus? And so here's what amazes me about his story. And I sit and I listened for a long time, maybe an hour and a half, I listened to him talk. And he talked to me about person after person after person after person that he had talked to about Jesus. He can talk to you today about many people that he talked to about Jesus yesterday. I mean, it's, it's like it's his full-time job, literally right now, to talk to people about Jesus. It's all he does. He has put me to shame. And what amazes me is the people that he talks to about Jesus do not run from this conversation. They don't say, I don't want to hear what you got to say. No, they engage in the conversation. In fact, many times he'll say to people, could I pray with you? And, and most of them want to pray. And sometimes when he talks to people about Jesus, they say, I want to be born again like you're talking about. I want that life that you're telling me about. I want to become a follower of Jesus. I want Jesus in my life. I want to be forgiven of my sin. Sometimes when God speaks, He reveals His plan for our lives. And by the way, I just think it's God's will that all of us talk to people about Jesus. And so here you've got Saul, and he's walking down the road with his companions, and a flash of light from heaven. He falls to his ground, his knees, can't see anything. Who is it? And God speaks. Now, I'm going to be frank with you. I would like a little more input from God than Saul got. Here's what he said. Uh, get up and go to Damascus and you'll be told what you must do. I would have probably said, hey, uh, hang on one second here. I'm kind of a planner. You know, I'd like a little more detail. If you could go ahead and just give it to me and we'll map this out. I'll do you a good job, I promise. I just need a little more information if you don't mind. When you get to verse 17, God says to Ananias, this guy Saul, and then I said, I'm afraid of him because I'm, I'm in the way. You know, I'm, I'm a follower of the way, and I've heard about him, and I don't want anything to do with him. And God says, no, I want you to go to him because he is my chosen instrument. You're what? He kills Christians? No, no, I've chosen him. And here's what I've chosen for him to do. He is going to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. 
He's going to talk to everybody about Jesus. See, God speaks to us first. And then he kind of unfolds. Here's what I want you to do with your life. See, this is the gospel. God comes to us. We, we, we live in a society where the, we're so focused on ourselves. Guilty right here. As, as, as Christians, we have to swim against this current. We can't conform to this pattern. And there's occasions when we have to remind ourselves that all of this that Jesus has done in us and for us, this, this new life that he's given us, it's not just for us. I mean, Jesus loves everybody and he wants everybody to know. And so along with this conversion comes commissioning, right? Along with this transformation comes a calling. Along with this incredible work that God does, it's this new life, comes a new role. And we have to get rid of this individualistic thinking that says, it's just about me. Look at all that God's done for me. Well, no, it's to share that with everybody else. And you may be sitting there saying, I don't, I don't know, Rick. I, you don't know me. I got some, some bad stuff in my past. I've done some bad stuff. I'm, I'm not as good as you think I am. Have you killed any Christians? Then maybe you haven't done as bad as Paul. And if God can use him, then God can use anybody. What? Did somebody say amen? <laughs> I mean, think about it. He ends up taking three missionary journeys, plants 14 churches, writes half of the New Testament, and there are untelling how many millions of people know Jesus today because of him. And he says, I was the worst of sinners. That's his words, not mine. Okay, so let me just end with this, all right? So you might be saying, is it Paul or Saul? Because you said Paul and then you said Saul. That well, in Acts 13, 9, it says Saul who is called Paul. So what, why two names? The truth is it was common in the New Testament to have dual names. You would have maybe a Hebrew name if you were born a Jew, but you would also have a Greek or a Roman name. You remember John Mark? Hebrew name is John. Roman name is Mark, okay? And so he was born into a Hebrew family. Saul was. He's given a good Hebrew name, Saul, right? You remember what he said? I was born into the people of Israel, Hebrew of Hebrews, tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day as far as the law is Pharisee. I mean, I am a full-fledged, I've got, you know, I'm a bona fide Jew is what he's saying. But his father was a Roman citizen, which gave him Roman citizenship. And so his, his Greek name, his Roman name, is Paul. 
Now this is significant to all that we're talking about today. And here we go. You ready? When God says, you're going to go to the Gentile world, the non-Jewish world, the Greek world, the Roman world, and you're going to tell them about me. You're going to talk to all of these people about Jesus because that's what I want you. I want you to tell them. This is your full-time job to talk to people about Jesus, okay? He says, well, I think I'll use my Greek name. <laughs> if I'm going to talk to the Romans, the Greeks, I'll use the name they relate to. Everything that he did, when he had that defining moment, from that moment on, everything he did flowed out of that experience. Because when God speaks to us, those moments become defining moments, and they change the trajectory of our lives. And a new course is set for us from that moment on. And it was Paul's story. Now let's talk about your story. I get up in the mornings, and, and I pray, like many of you do, and um, have my phone, and I go to the notes section that says prayer, and I pray for lots of things, lots of people. Got list. I don't think it's wrong to ask. God in His Word gives us permission to ask. But we're going to pray together in just a moment. And instead of us asking God to do something for us, I'm going to ask you to pray like this. God, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want to say to me? What do you want to ask of me? If you say get up and go, I'm going to get up like Saul did and go. If you say, proclaim your name, I'm going to proclaim your name. What is it, God, that you want to ask of me? Because I can live without a lot of things in this world. But here's one thing I can't live without, and that is the voice of God speaking to me. You can take a lot of things from me, and I can survive. Don't take God's voice from me. And so, God, instead of me asking you for anything this morning, let's pray together. Is there something you want me to do for you? And so, Father, hear our hearts this morning. And hear us as we pray this prayer. We're so good at asking you to do things for us. But this morning, Lord, we're just simply saying... God, what do you want me to do for you? Speak to me like you spoke to Saul. It may be a defining moment from this day forward. My life will be changed. But what is it, God, that you're asking me to do for you? Would you stand with me? And let's pray together this prayer of commitment. And I want you to feel the freedom, you know. Respond however you feel like God's wanting you to respond. There's always altars in our church, and it's always a good place to pray, and you're always welcome to come. Naturally, you're welcome to pray where you are. You're welcome to 
Go find a true Christian brother or sister if you need to talk to somebody. It's always good to come and find a pastor. We're all around you here. But let's respond this morning to what God is saying to us. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.